Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for The Viking Age. Before we get started, make sure to follow The Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at The Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash The Viking Age. All right, on today's show, I'll answer a Twitter question, and then I will be joined by fansided.com's Josh Hill to preview The Viking's upcoming matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, let's get to this Twitter question. Alan asks, will Kyle Rudolph be a Viking for the 2021 season? Alan, that's a tough question. Because if it were up to me, no, Kyle Rudolph would not be on the Vikings roster in 2021. He's old. He's expensive. He's not really part of the offense anymore. Um, But I don't make the decisions. And the Vikings seem to be pretty loyal to guys who have been with the team at least for as long as as Rudolph has. You know, guys like Chad Greenway, Brian Robeson, you know, guys like that. So that's something that I think could keep Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota in 2021. And it also depends on the progression of, of Irv Smith Jr., because Irv Smith has had some some bright moments this year for the Vikings. He's had some some good games. But he's also been hurt and he's missed a bunch of games. And then, you know, earlier in the year he wasn't very productive. So if the Vikings are gonna let go of someone like Kyle Rudolph, who can still be a legitimate red zone threat, then they have to have a backup plan who can replace him and getting someone in the draft isn't, you know, as much of a guarantee as as some might think. Um, especially someone who is capable of, of filling in for someone like Rudolph, especially in the red zone. So I, at this point, I would just because of how the Vikings have acted in the past um, with, with some of their longtime veterans, I would think that Kyle Rudolph is going to be with the Vikings in 2021. Now, would I be surprised if he's not? No, I would not, because he's also been included in a number of trade rumors for, I don't know, over almost two years now, you know, going back to the last year's draft and and this year's trade deadline, he was in a bunch of rumors. So, you know, it's just something that either either way, I would not be surprised because there's certain factors that, you know, play a part in, in his in this decision that don't really play a part in, in every member of the Vikings, uh, every player on the Vikings roster and then decision to keep them. So it's different with someone like Rudolph because of how loyal the Vikings have been in, in the past with some of their, their longtime players. So that has to be a factor and a big factor. But at the same time, next year, his contract, Kyle Rudolph, is due. You know, he's going to have a cap hit of $9.45 million. Now, that's a cap hit that is among, you know, the top 10 cap hits for tight ends in the NFL. Is Kyle Rudolph going to be a top 10 tight end in 2021 in the NFL? Probably not. Um, so that's just, that's up to the Vikings. They're going to need cap space. They're going to be up, uh, you know, with their backs against the wall uh, with, with looking for cap space next year. So that's something they're going to have to figure out. And 
they might have to make a hard choice and, and let go of Rudolph because um, they, they're just going to need some money just, just to, you know, fill their roster. So we'll see if, if they're going to look, if they're looking to create cap space with, with Kyle Rudolph, I could see him being someone who, you know, like a Riley Reef, like an Everson Griffin would restructure his contract to stay in Minnesota. He's just a big figure, a, an important figure for, for the Vikings. And he's been an important figure for that franchise since he's been there. He's become a, you know, a great part of that locker room, a great leader in the locker room, a captain. So I'm sure Mike Zimmer loves having him around in the offense to kind of keep guys in line. So we will see. But if I had to put money on Rudolph being there in 2021, right now, I would say yes. Just because Irv Smith hasn't done a whole lot to to, to make us think that, that Rudolph should be good to go. So right now, gun to my head, I think Rudolph is, is with the Vikings in, in 2021. I do. But that's enough from me. So uh, let's just get right into it and get to today's interview with Josh Hill from Fansided.com to help preview Sunday's matchup between the Vikings and Bucks. All right, joining today's show is Josh Hill. He is currently the editorial director for Fansided.com, and he's also a big fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's here to help us preview this weekend's game between the Vikings and Bucks. So welcome to the show, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, first off, how did you become a Bucks fan? Because before we started recording, you mentioned to me that you're from Minnesota. I am, yeah, Rochester, home of the Mayo Clinic, pride yeah. and joy. Uh, it was back in, I don't know, like the late 90s. I think I started watching. That's when I started watching football, and that's the old NFC Central days. Mm-hmm. So we had the Bucks, and we had the Packers, and the Lions, and the Bears, and Vikings all in the same division. And my family's obviously from Minnesota. My mom's from Chicago, so I didn't want to. You know, I kind of wanted to be a rebel. Didn't want to go down that road. Nobody wants to be a Packers fan, and God, nobody wants to willingly be a Lions fan. No, no, no. So yeah, I mean, that was Barry Sanders, but it was like at the tail end of Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. But the Bucks had just got you know Tony Dungy. There's the Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Warwick Dunn. It was a really fun team. Uh, a lot of lot of fun teams, actually. So I got on right before that Super Bowl run in 2002. So I started rooting from around 97. So I had the heartbreak of that NFC Championship game against the Rams, which mm-hmm. kind of baptized me into not being, not having jumped on right when they were starting to get good. I got right at the last tail end of them being lovable losers. And then we hit our stride. And then ever since that Super Bowl, it's been, you know, what, 17, 18 years of soul-sucking pain. So I'm paying that tax. Paying yeah, that so tax big time. So you started right around when they, what, switched their uniforms to the uh, the pewter, or not the pewter, the, the red and the yeah. the brown that they kind of have oh, yeah. right now in, in, in the Mike Allstott days. Oh, yeah. Um, what is your first memory of, of watching the Bucks or, or watching a Bucks game? Like, what, what do you remember? Um, I remember, I actually remember going to a game uh-huh. with my dad, um, at the Metrodome, uh, the Bucks were there and my most vivid memory was there was a guy behind us and he was wearing a Vikings Jersey. I think he was wearing a Jake Reed Jersey and he had one of those jean jacket Buccaneers jackets on. It was really weird. And every time <laughs> anybody got a first down, he would stand up and go, first down. <laughs> 
And now every single time somebody gets a first down, for some reason, that just triggers in my head. And I want to do it. I want to do exactly what that guy was doing. But I remember that at the old the old Metrodome. It was louder than louder than heck there. But what, it was a uh, lot of fun. What year was that? 98, I think. 98 oh, or 99. So went, did you go to Randy Moss's first game? Uh, I think, yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah, Randall Cunningham. That was right. Because there was a whole deal through like Mayo Clinic and all that kind of stuff. So we got a charter bus up wow. there. So that was you were there. Time. Yeah. Um, who is your all-time favorite Bucks player? And then who is one guy from today's team that you really enjoy watching on the field each week? Uh, Warwick Dunn was always my favorite. I was really upset when he went to Atlanta, and then we won the Super Bowl that that year. I think that offseason he went to Atlanta, and then we won the Super Bowl. So I was really bummed out about that. But I always loved him. He was a scrappy little guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of great plays. I remember it was like 2000 or something like that. Him and a couple other running backs. I think Mike Anderson was one of them. They all rushed for like 200 yards in the same day. It was like three running yeah. backs. It was crazy. I think I just saw so, Yeah, I, then- I loved Warwick Dunn. Um, and I also loved, I liked uh, the Muscle Hamster. Doug Martin for a little bit because oh, like, he yeah. had the he had Warwick Dunn energy, but he didn't pan out. But today, I I really really like Levante David, and I'm really happy that the team is finally on a national stage, and he's able to get the recognition as one of the best linebackers in football. And he he's kind of making up for the life that Gerald McCoy should have lived because mm-hmm. McCoy was one of the best Buccaneers that I'll ever play. And I was really upset when he left and Buccaneers fans were like, oh, Dominican Sue is so much better. I'm like, dude, come on. Like, <laughs> this guy literally gave his entire body to the, some of the worst teams we've ever yeah. watched play. He played for the Raheem Morris Youngery Bucks. Like, come on. He wore Nobody those terrible uniforms. Oh, the alarm clock uniforms. But <laughs> Levante David, he, he was on the tail end of Gerald McCoy. But I'm, he was always a guy that I really loved, and I still love him. And I'm really happy that the team finally has a national stage and people can recognize him as, you know, this brute force that he is. Yeah, sticking with the current team, uh, maybe what was your original reaction to when the Bucks signed Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski? Did you think, okay, this is going to result in an automatic Super Bowl win, or were you a little more skeptical maybe about the two signings? I was... Well, the Gronk, I don't really remember because, I mean, I remember it, but it was more of the haze of we were still drunk on the on the Brady signing. Yeah. But I remember thinking, well, at least we're going to the playoffs this year. We're ending that drought. It was the same feeling I got, and I hope it doesn't end the same way, but it was the same feeling I got when the Timberwolves traded for Jimmy Butler. I was like, mm. holy crap, we're going to the playoffs. Like, this is, we're a, we're a team people are going to have to pay attention to because the Bucks have always been an afterthought. Even that year we went to the Super Bowl, that defense was really good. Mm-hmm. But it's not – when you talk about the great teams of the 2000s and the 2010s, the last 25 years, the Buccaneers are mentioned. But they're mentioned after you say, oh, the you know, Legion of Boom and that mm-hmm. Patriots team and all these other teams that, that had these moments. Even like the Peyton Manning Broncos get mentioned mm-hmm. before the 2002 Bucks, And that's one of the greatest defenses ever. So there have always been a bit of an afterthought. So signing Brady kind of forces everybody – to pay attention to them. But, you know, growing up in Minnesota, having watched the Vikings in, you know, the peripheral, it's the same feeling of there's never been a franchise quarterback. It's always a band-aid quarterback. You know, Jameis Winston was as close as we had come. And, you know, that was what it was, but it always seems like even that Super Bowl team had Brad Johnson. And then we went from that to, you know, Brian Greasy and Jeff Garcia. And we've just, you know, cycled through these quarterbacks. And so the Brady thing felt normal a little bit because it's like okay now we're getting this guy we don't ever have a franchise quarterback it's always this band-aid guy and it's really it's you know 
short lived. It's going to be a couple of years and then, and then what? So it's really kind of living the moment with Brady, but it was exciting. It's the most excited I've ever been as a Bucks fan since that Super Bowl season. Yeah, it's got a lot of the same Favre to the the Vikings vibes that yeah. uh, I remember. What ten years ago now? Um, with <laughs> well, yeah, it makes us feel old. I'm 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 guessing. Uh, with all of the off season additions, there were plenty of people who did pick the Bucks, you know, as Super Bowl favorites. Uh, but after the first thirteen weeks of the season, they're only seven and five, and they've lost three of their last four. Now I understand two of these losses have come have come against the Saints and the Chiefs. Um, but why do you think the Bucks have struggled to to maybe live up to their lofty expectations this year? Uh, I I want to blame the COVID offseason and just the condensed nature of everything. Brady wasn't able to come in and learn the playbook the same way that he maybe would have if it would have been a normal offseason. But we're reaching the point where that excuse stops being something that you can use because we've had you know 13 weeks now. We're entering week 14 here and. They need to get it together. You know, injuries have happened. Vita Vea, losing Vita Vea hurts because that was a big body up front on the defensive line. But, you know, Scotty Miller's been hurt. You know, OJ Howard goes out. Mm-hmm. But you still, so you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Mike Evans. You know, we talk about Levante David having the national spotlight on him. Mike Evans is a guy who should be in a conversation as a top five receiver in the league, and he needs to start playing like one. So I'm not surprised that the Buccaneers have had struggles, both because I've conditioned myself to expect low things from them but the the whole progression of this year brady learning the playbook a new coach a new system a new team everything i'm not surprised that it's been a little bit slow going but they do look better than i think a lot of people want to give them credit for it's easy it's easy to dunk on brady we've all got 20 years of pent-up rage we got to work through every time he he throws an interception but they do look a lot better than i think people want to give them credit for and i think we'll see that in the playoffs i mean they're definitely a lot better than they were a year ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and that probably has a lot to do with, with Brady and the, all the guys they brought in. Um, but the Bucks' offense is – the offense is full of notable players like Brady and Gronk, mm-hmm. Antonio Brown. You mentioned Evans, who didn't practice today. Uh, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette. You know, the list goes on. Uh, but it's the defense that's really taking some some big steps this season. What what do you think has made the difference for the Bucks on the defensive side of the ball this year? Well, they've always had – good pieces they just haven't really been tapped into i remember uh the kind of the genesis of this defense was a couple of years ago three or four years ago they played the seahawks in tampa and this was like a garbage bucks team and they won that game i think it was like 11 to 6 or something like that. it was a really weird score hmm. but they beat the russell wilson pete carroll seahawks in like the prime of that team and that was because of the defense and that was the first time i really took notice of Levante David, Gerald McCoy, these guys really coming together. We went through a couple of defensive coordinators that weren't that great. You know, Mike Smith wasn't really what you needed. But Todd Bowles, talk about guys that need to get a little bit more credit than they're being given. You know, the Jets thing was what it was. But now that we've seen that what the Jets are this season, I think retroactively, Todd Bowles, his job in, in New York is a little, you know, we should look on that a little bit brighter than we do. But he's a, a big difference maker here with this defense and really bringing these guys together, the schemes that he brings. He's really aggressive, which sometimes, you know, you can get burned for that, but he's developed the secondary. You know, Carlton Davis, a lot of these guys that have slowly come along over these years, they've compiled this team through the draft. And now it's finally starting to come together under Todd Bowles. He's developing these guys. You know, Sean Murphy Bunting is another one. Jamil Dean is another guy who throughout the years of being on here and kind of growing, they've had their pains. They've had, you know, some bumps here and there. 
and it finally seems to be coming together now under Bowles. So the defense is really exciting. I mean, look at what they did to, to Green Bay a handful of weeks ago. And, you know, say what you will about that Chiefs game. Yeah, they lost. And maybe the Chiefs took their foot off the gas a little bit. But that second half is night and day from, yeah. you know, Tyreek Hill getting 8 billion yards in the first quarter against that secondary. They adjusted. And that's something that this team hasn't done before. And I think that comes down to the leadership on defense. And Todd Bowles deserves a lot of credit. And any kind of head coaching discussion that happens with him in the offseason is completely valid and warranted from the job he's been doing with these guys. Oh, for sure. I think he'll have a a good opportunity. He should at least get some some interviews uh, mm-hmm. in the offseason to be a head coach because he's proven that he's still a great defensive, you know, mind and and you look at the Jets situation like you said, that's that's the Jets. It could have just been a lot of variables going on over there out of his control and it probably was so i I could see that happening um this is a vikings podcast and they play in minnesota so there's plenty of our listeners are also fans of the minnesota golden gophers so uh the bucks have antoine winfield jr and and tyler johnson on their roster this year so how have those guys been performing for the bucks i was geeked beyond belief when they drafted it Antoine Winfield Jr. That was a guy that I really wanted. I mean, but going back to talking about the secondary and how it's slowly been coming along, safety is such a premium position in the league. Uh, we all talk about you need a franchise quarterback to win a Super Bowl. That's true. But you also need that quarterback on the defense, which is the safety. You know, and you, tell, you know, I'm a Bucks fan. John Lynch, one of the best safeties yep. to ever play the yep. game. He's a big reason why that Super Bowl defense was such a big deal. Yep. And, you know, Harrison Smith right now for the Vikings mm-hmm. is that I, I think about John Lynch a lot when I look at Harrison Smith play because mm-hmm. safeties are so hard to find and good safeties like Harrison Smith, franchise safeties. Uh, so when we got Antoine Winfield Jr., that was that felt like getting that franchise quarterback that we haven't been able to get, but you got it on defense. You know, Antoine Winfield, too, Vikings fans will remember that mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he was wonderful with the Vikings. So now we're the fruits rolled down the hill here to Tampa. And then what about uh Tyler Johnson, I'm, I'm guessing his play, his snaps went down after they signed Antonio Brown? They did, yeah. Uh, but he got a little bit of action there early on. Um, when, when Brady signed, Johnson was one of the guys I thought of because he is not one of those big names. You think about Evans, you think about Godwin, these obvious marquee names that are going to get a lot of catches and get a lot of balls thrown their way. But Johnson feels like you know one of these guys that the Patriots maybe would have drafted that Brady would have made use of. Scotty Miller... His role, I thought, maybe would have been more of what Tyler Johnson was, where Brady just kind of finds him on these routes. Everybody's paying attention to these little receivers that we have, and Tyler Johnson's there. He had a couple of a couple of bursts here and there. I think it was against the Bears. He had a good game. There was a couple other games that he had where he's, he's did he catch a touchdown there. against the Packers? Did he? The Packers he game, yeah, the Packers yeah. game too. I thought I remember um, that. All right, before we get into this weekend's game, I'll just ask you, who is one former Bucks player? You can only pick one that could potentially help the team get to the Super Bowl this year if he was on the current roster. Are we talking retired or are we talking to anybody? It could be, it could be, you know, Steve Spurrier if you want, you know. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Well, I hate to keep talking about the secondary, but Rondé Barber was another guy who he was kind of a hybrid corner. Like he was a safety corner. Mm -hmm. He was only like, you know, he was under six feet tall, he was a short guy. So he was somebody who, again, going back to growing up watching the Bucks, another guy that I really loved watching. And I think that you have that guy in your secondary. You can do a lot of things with a lot of different schemes. The Tampa 2 is successful. 
you get Derek Brooks was in there too. He's another name you could throw out there, but Rondé Barber, he's a guy who you just throw in there and he played for almost like what, 20 years at almost. And yeah. you, you forgot he played there, which is kind of what you want because that means nothing's happening on his side of the field. Nothing's happening in his area. Otherwise, you know, other than him picking a few balls up here and there, but Rondé Barber, I think you throw him in this, you throw him in any, you know, modern defense right now. I think he's kind of a timeless player who will make a difference no matter where he is. Oh, for sure. I think there's a lot of guys from that. Uh, what was it? Is it? Did they win the Super Bowl in 2000? What, two? Two, yeah, 2002. So, yeah, pretty much anybody from that defense, I feel like, because you had Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice, you know, yep. you mentioned Derek Brooks, John Lynch, uh, you know, uh, Ronnie Barber, just so many, so many guys. And, yeah, like you mentioned, it it was it is one of the greatest defenses of all time and, it, and mm-hmm. they destroyed the Raiders and they maybe do get overlooked. Um, you know, when looking back on some of the, um, previous Super Bowl winners, maybe because, you know, Brad Johnson was their quarterback and they didn't have that, that big name, you know, former Vikings quarterback, but, but they, they, they were, they're one of the best teams in NFL history. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm making a crazy statement when I say that. Um, so, on Sunday, the Vikings and Bucks will play at noon Central Time uh, inside Raymond James Stadium out in Tampa. FanDuel currently has the Bucks favored by six and a half points. Um, and a little stat here: since Mike Zimmer was hired in 2014, the Vikings have never won a game on the road in which their opponent was favored by six and a half points or more. I think it was out of nine games. Um, and the Vikings have actually lost six of their last seven games in Tampa, but the last win did come in 2014 when Mike Zimmer was the head coach. So, Josh, what is the one thing the Bucks must do on Sunday that will make the difference between between them winning or losing? I think that they got to get the pass rush back. They got to get pressure on on Kirk Cousins, and I think this is a perfect get back game for them. You know, no offense to the Vikings, but Bucks are coming off a bye. It's mm-hmm. at home. And then just logistically, do you see the Buccaneers losing three games in a row? I don't think that that's going to happen. And not against the Vikings. I, don't, I think the Vikings are a class below the Chiefs and the Saints, a couple classes mm-hmm. below mm-hmm. the Chiefs and the Saints. Yeah. So I don't think that the Bucks losing three games in a row is on the table, unless something massive happens, unless there's some kind, they come out of the gate slow or whatever, which they've been known to do. So that's, that's not outside the realm of possibility. But Getting pressure on Cousins and forcing some turnovers, that's going to be huge. Because, again, that Packers game, it turned on a dime when they got a couple of turnovers off of Aaron Rodgers, and then it's a completely different ball game, and they're running away with that thing. And that's the Packers, a team a lot of people think are going to go to the Super Bowl. And it seemed that the Vikings, you know, you know, dragged behind the woodshed a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's getting pressure on Cousins. And I think he's the perfect quarterback where if you rattle him a little bit, that's going to be – that's going to be – a nice, nice hearty lunch for that defense to eat. For sure. He's been, but, uh, Cousins has been playing well, uh, recently since the, since the bye. I think he has 15 touchdowns and two interceptions since the bye. So he's been playing a lot better. But yeah, pressure is, is the formula to, to rattle him. Same thing with Brady, though. You get pressure on mm-hmm. him and, and he gets rattled back there. So the Bucks defense is currently the best in the NFL against the run. Has only given up about 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, but Dalvin Cook is not just a normal running back. So if you think the Bucks can sl- if you think the Bucks can slow down Cook on Sunday, uh, what makes you believe that they can actually contain him? 
Uh, that's the one thing that makes me nervous is if Dalvin starts to cook. That's, and he's coming home to Florida too. You know, he went mm-hmm, to FSU. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this is, you know, he's kind of in his element here. And that's the one thing that kind of freaks me out is if Cook gets going, what does Bowles do? Because he's going to blitz the living daylights out of Cousins to try to get yeah. under his skin, to try to rattle him early. But we've seen this defense get burned a lot when he gets overly aggressive against some of these quarterbacks. And I just fear if Cook gets going a little bit, and you start blitzing on defense, it's not going to take a lot for Cousins to throw some you know, passes down low, and we've got some serious trouble with the Bucks defense. Because you look at what the Saints did, they were able to figure out the Bucks defense just by throwing a lot of these dink and dunk passes, yeah. and all of a sudden, everything comes unraveled. And you've got guys like Justin Jefferson and you know Adam Thielen, who are really quick. These guys, the, the cornerbacks, you know, Jameel Dean, He's been a bit of a problem in, in recent games. They should have lost to the Giants on Monday night. The Bucs should yep. have. And Jameel yep. Dean is a big reason why. And if Daniel Jones is a better quarterback and he's able to make even like two throws that he missed, it's a completely different game. And all of a sudden the Bucs lose. So I would say Dalvin Cook getting going is something that the Vikings could use to their advantage because that will put the Bucs on their heels a little bit defensively. And that changes your approach. And then all of a sudden, if you're putting pressure on Cousins, the way that I think Bulls might want to, then Cousins might be able to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. And you get, all of a sudden, it's kind of like the blueprint that the Saints had. Whether or not the Vikings can pull it all the way off is another thing. But there's tools there where the Bucks shouldn't come into this game overly confident, like this is just going to be a win and we're going to be on to the next game. Yeah, I think I think Dalvin might take a little back seat in the in the rushing attack. The, the rushing attack as a whole probably, probably will. But and I think he'll probably probably be more involved in the the passing game, making screens and stuff like that to kind of just you know take the uh, the impact of the blitzes and stuff and, and throw them off. Uh, if if Bulls is going to be aggressive like you like you think he will, um, the last time we saw the Bucks on the field was in Week Twelve. We mentioned they lost to the Chiefs during that game. The Bucks defense gave up four hundred and fifty six passing yards to the Chiefs. Offense. So, how worried are you about the Bucks going up against the Vikings' receiving duo of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen? Justin Jefferson freaks me out because there's not mm-hmm. a lot of there's not a lot of tape on him. I think Adam Thielen, you can you kind of know what Adam Thielen is, and he's dangerous. He's a good he's a good receiver. But Jefferson's got the hot hand right now, and he's you know got Rookie of the Year in his sights. He's kind of the guy that we need to start talking a little bit more about. Uh, so he's the guy who, if he gets loose a little bit in that secondary, could be a bit of a problem. Now, the question is, do the Bucks look at that last Chiefs game and say, we got our asses kicked. We need to tighten some things up here. Because, you know, look, I, one of these teams, I think, is going to the playoffs. And I don't think it's going to be the Vikings. And I think the Buccaneers need to use teams like the Vikings to say, we, this is how we figure things out. If we want to win in January, if we don't want to go in and have another garbage game against the Saints if that happens, or we don't want to go up and have the Packers figure out, we need to start shoring up some of these problems here. Look at what happened in the Chiefs game. Look what happened in the Saints game, even the Giants game. And there's been other games this year that have kind of gotten away from them a little bit defensively. Look at those. Use this game with talented players on offense like Thielen, Jefferson, and Cook, and some of these other guys that the Vikings have. Use teams like this to really work out those kinks and see if you can figure out uh, figure out these problems because I don't think they have another game 
like what happened against the Chiefs, both because the Vikings offense isn't the Chiefs, but I just think that this team has a lot more fight in it than that Chiefs game is indicative of how this defense plays. Yes, that is the uh, that's your hot take from this episode that the Vikings offense is not the Chiefs <laughs> offense. Uh, Cousins De- isn't Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, De- Devin Cook, who got I believe thirty two carries uh, last week, so uh, that's not going to happen in, in the Chiefs offense. All right, on a scale of one to ten, what is your level of confidence when it comes to the Bucks beating the Vikings on Sunday? It's firmly about an eight point five. Oh wow! It's so confident. It's pretty, it's pretty up there, but I will say the Vikings have played really well against good teams. You know, like I said, to beat the Packers in Lambeau because Dalvin cook just got loose mm-hmm. and then should have beat the Seahawks mm-hmm. and you should have beat the uh, Titans, Titans in yeah. that one game. So there's the Vikings are not a bad team. You know, I want to talk about yeah. the Buccaneers are a team that, you know, it's fun to dunk on Brady, but we need to give them more credit. The Vikings, you know, they sneak into the playoffs that they could be a true wild card. Home so field advantage doesn't mean anything this year. It doesn't. And, you know, the Vikings are not a bad team. If Cook gets going, you know, Mike Zimmer's a great head coach. He's a guy that mm-hmm. I wanted in Tampa, but we ended mm-hmm. up hiring Greg Schiano instead. That worked <laughs> out well. So, uh, but yeah, the, I'd say eight point five is where I'm at with with the uh, with beating the Vikings. But it's not a it's not a ten and it's not a nine because the Vikings they're 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 also up against the wall. They're, mm-hmm. they're a team with a playoff, their lives, their playoff lives are on the line. And that's a dangerous, unpredictable kind of, you know, back to the animal in the corner they're type gonna, of situation. They're going to bring the kitchen sink. So, yeah. you know, um, does the buy have any impact on your, your feelings? You know, the 8.5? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that and the fact that it's, they're playing it at home is two yeah. things that I think will help. Uh, I, I think even if they were coming fresh off that Chiefs game, Maybe even coming off that Chiefs game, it would have been higher because they they know that they need to make a statement coming off of you know back to back losses. They've lost what three of their last four. So and like I said, almost losing to the Giants. Like I count that as a loss in my head because you know we're a a bad two point conversion call away from that being completely different. So this team has to really prove some things to people. And I think, like I said, the Vikings are a perfect get back game for this. The bye week might actually lower that score because they've taken their foot off the gas a little bit. But I'm still pretty confident that it'll all come together on Sunday for the Bucs. And if it doesn't, then we're going to be telling a completely different story about this team because then it's red alert and missing the playoffs for the Bucs is very much in play. And I think that's mm-hmm. another thing that factors into why I think they're going to come into this game knowing that they need to win it. And that's not a Bucks team you want to play. All right. Before I let you get out of here, I'm going to ask you one last question. And it is, if Tom Brady... Leads the Bucks to Super Bowl before his contract runs out in 2022. Will he be known as the greatest quarterback in Bucks history? I think he was the greatest quarterback in Bucks history as soon as he walked through the door. The ink yeah, wasn't yeah, even yeah. dry on his contract yeah. when, when that was the case. Uh, but yeah, it's the question is whether or not he remembers these Buccaneers years as anything more than just kind of a big middle finger back to to Bill Belichick and everybody in New England, which I'm perfectly fine being like the other woman in this in this situation <laughs> where it's like, we're just trying to get back at the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, if we get a super, Bowl, if we get back to the playoffs, I'll be like, thanks Tom. This was, you know, Tampa Bay. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Like just get yeah. us back to the playoffs. So, yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm surprised you didn't pick Josh Freeman, but um, you know, it was close. One, a one B. Bruce Gretkowski was up there too. Oh, Bruce yeah. Gretkowski, oh, Chris oh, Sims. There's, Chris there's, Sims was the quarterback last time we went to the playoffs. I think. Oh wow. No, maybe that was Jeff Garcia. Such a Jeff long, Garcia. Yeah. 
long list, but I mean, Vikings fans can relate just as much to the Bucks and and you know and the Bears. Just the Packers seem to be the uh, the spoils in the deep, the old NFC Central. Um, but that's gonna be it for today. Make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter at the Viking Age uh, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Viking Age. Subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to go follow Josh on Twitter and uh, make sure to go to fansided.com to read his content because he's still pushing stuff out there too. Um, And just enjoy the game on Sunday. Hopefully it'll be a good one. Uh, Hopefully the Vikings win. Sorry, Josh, this is the Vikings podcast, so I have to say that. Um, Thanks again for joining, and until next time, we will talk to you later. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.